rhythm of your spiritual life? Is prayer a part of your, your marriage, part of your family, part of your personal discipline? Is prayer uh, evident in, um, in your life, even in this church or in your missional community? Uh, so what does prayer look like in your life? And do you do it often? Do you do it with others? Um, do, do we even know how to pray? And I think uh, what often is the case is we tend to either um, neglect prayer or uh, maybe pray in a non-gospeled way. What I mean by that is we either uh, will say, well, uh, I'll pray only in crisis or I pray when I need something or I'll uh, say maybe a systematic you know, prayer memory verse kind of thing just because it's routine and it's what we're supposed to do or uh, maybe we neglect prayer because we say, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to say to God, so I just maybe won't do it. Or maybe you're embarrassed to pray because you think, well, maybe my prayers are clumsy, my prayers are sloppy. And I was thinking about it this week. It's kind of like, like you know, with children. <laughs> you know, God is our Father, and we are His children. And and uh, even if you talk to your father in a clumsy, sloppy way, uh, it's okay. Like your father wants you to talk to him. I have four children, and uh, our youngest two are twin two-year-old girls, and they're 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 starting to speak in sentence fragments and run-on sentences, and and they they mispronounce words, and it's the the cutest thing. Even this morning, I was praying with our youngest twin, Nora. I was playing with her, and she was playing with uh, a couple little horses, and she calls them forces. She's like, look, Daddy, there's, there's the 4C. Here's another 4C. In that moment, we had a sweet little moment playing in her room this morning, and I didn't chastise her and say, don't call it a 4C until you can call it a horse. I don't want you to talk about it. That would be a mean thing for a father to do, right? Like to say, well, unless you know how to pronounce it and say it correctly and say the sentence just right, I don't want you to talk to me. And I think often we refrain from praying because we're afraid that our prayers are goofy, clumsy, or that we're calling horses forces, right? And so I want to encourage us all to challenge us that in the same way, I, I, would, I would be crushed if my daughters wouldn't talk to me, even if they mispronounce words and say run-on sentences and what have you. And I think in the same way, God is our Father. He wants us to talk to Him, even if it's clumsy and sloppy. So I want to challenge us all and encourage us all, especially over the next couple weeks, is to uh, be bold, to be daring, and, and let's, let's pray together, even if it's awkward at first or sloppy or clumsy. I want to encourage us to pray personally in our uh, private time and private lives. I want to encourage us to pray if you are married with your spouse. I want to encourage us to pray in our missional communities. And even today, in the next few weeks, we're going to have some time of public corporate prayer together, even in this room. I don't want it to be awkward or contrived. I just want us to to be children confident in approaching our Father who loves us. And so that's what, what we're going to do the next few weeks. And if uh, I want to encourage you to come the next two weeks after this as well. And also plug into your missional community because we will be doing some prayer things through our missional community. So that's that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. Is that cool? You guys, you guys game for it? Uh, I think you are. Let me pray, and we'll dive into Colossians 1. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that Christ indeed has paid our ransom. And God, that out of your gracious 
gift, we have salvation, we have a new identity, we gain from the work of Christ, a new identity, a new community together. God, that we are called your children, that we can call you Abba, Father, that your spirit uh, is in us and works through us as we pray. And so, God, I pray that over the next few weeks, as we look at your scripture in the book of Colossians, Lord, that you would stir up our hearts and minds to love you more. God, that we would be humble children yearning to connect to our loving Heavenly Father. And God, that by your grace, through Christ, you've made it possible for us to commune with you and by your Spirit to commune together. And God, I pray that you would heighten our prayer lives, that we would pray bold prayers, prayers that only you could answer and that you answer in the way that you see fit, that brings you glory and us joy and advances the good news of Jesus. Uh, So God, we thank you for this morning. I pray uh, that you would work in it um, for your glory and our good. We pray in Christ Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Friends, the good news is that in Christ we have a new identity, a new way of relating to God our Father and to each other. And this is good news for us. These verses, these few verses where we'll be today in the next couple of weeks, frame pretty much the whole book of Colossians, where we see that the Apostle Paul is writing to this young church uh, to encourage them in the grace of the gospel. And he, right at the beginning, uses prayer. Even in verse 3, he says, we are praying for you. And as we saw in verse nine, we have not ceased to pray with you. And you see in the very last chapter of Colossians chapter four, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us. So you see, prayer is a theme that bookends the short book of Colossians chapter one to chapter four. And Paul is writing continuously of the gospel that, that fuels our prayers and that how we pray together in community and how we pray through mission together. So how do you define the gospel? If I ask you to give me a 90 second explanation, what would you say the gospel is? Because the gospel of Jesus is really what fuels our prayers. In fact, if we don't understand the gospel, we really won't know how to pray. We really won't have any power in our prayer. And uh, we really can't have communion with God is what prayer really is. See, 
Biblically, the gospel means good news. It's good news for the kingdom. In a very secular sense, good news could be uh, political good news or military good news or religious good news. It was used even in the Roman Empire when a Caesar was born. It was good news for the empire to have a new Caesar, right? But biblically, the gospel, the good news, is, is good news for the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ ushers in. And his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And this good news ripples out not just uh, through the first century in Bible times, like in Colossians, but also for you and I today who are Christians. So, So biblically, the gospel is good news, and this good news always evokes a response. In Mark chapter 1, even in the first couple of verses, as we see that, that Jesus is uh, coming to earth, his, his call is to repent and believe the gospel, right? So the gospel always evokes a response. If you hear the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done, there has to be a response. That response can either be a repentance and belief, or it can be denial and, uh, and disbelief, denial and disbelief. And so today, as we look at what a gospel prayer is, uh, I want us to go with that, saying that prayer in the gospel is a, is a response to the good news of Jesus and his coming kingdom. That's what prayer is. It is a response to the good news of Jesus and his coming kingdom. We have communion with God, we have communion with each other, and we have a relationship missionally to the world and culture at large that must be bathed in prayer. So gospel prayer, we're going to look at these two verses today, verses 9 and 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The first statement, gospel prayer, right? The gospel being filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's a lot there. That's a bold prayer to pray, right? If I were to say to you, before next week, I want you to fill yourself with knowledge I want you to find out the will of God. I want you to have spiritual wisdom. And I want you to understand everything very clearly. Now next week there will be a test. A little bubble, answers, no cheating. right? That would be a bold and unfair and unreasonable request for me as a person to make to you as a person, right? To say, I want you to fill yourself with knowledge. There is no way... I mean, there's some of you guys here in med school and some of you guys are taking classes at GRU and others of you are being trained in the military and studying languages and whatnot. It would be an unreasonable request for your professors to give you five days. And some of you guys are saying, yeah, but that's how they operate in med school, Jeremy. You obviously didn't go to med school. Right. But day one, they don't expect you to know what you know year four. Right. There's stuff that you know in your residency and fellowships that you know and you practice that you didn't know during orientation in med school. Right. It takes time. It's a way that you can take those things and do those things on your own. Now, the thing about the gospel is it's a work of God through Christ by his spirit in our lives. This is actually very freeing. 
And how this applies to prayer is not, I'm not going to give you a checklist of what to do in order to pray right. Remember, we're all just toddlers babbling to our Father. I want to teach us to babble more and loudly and together, right? I want us to to talk to God very intimately as humble children. I'm not going to try to... uh, line us up and make us pray properly. That's, I don't think that's what the Bible says. In fact, when we look at this verse, verse 9, from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Paul is not writing to the church saying, fill yourselves with knowledge. Fill yourselves with understanding. You get out there and you work hard to get wisdom. Rather, he's saying, we are praying that you may be filled. It's a, it's a passive thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a cup that sits there and says, I can't, I can't fill myself. I'm hoping in, that somebody will fill me with water, right? If you put a cup next to your sink, it doesn't fill itself with water. You have to grab it and fill it with water. You have to do the action on behalf of the cup to fill it. Scripture here is, is implying that Knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding is a work of God through Christ by His Spirit. It is my hope and prayer for you individually, in your marriage, in your missional communities, and the church as a whole, that God, through Christ, by His Spirit, would fill us. It's what we ought to pray for and pray toward. If we are not praying for that, we can study all day long, Till we're blue in the face. We can go to seminary, we can do trips, we can do good works in this city, but if we are not praying that God would fill us, our actions are for naught. They are actions in our own strength. And, it's, and people do it. Churches do it, ministries do it, students do it. I've been to seminary, I've seen and I was actually struggle with it sometimes myself to do those biblical studies in my own strength. And, and I was so thankful for professors that would sit us down and say, hey, look, we don't, we're not just going to try to do this as an academic exercise. We're approaching Scripture in Greek and Hebrew. We need, to, we need to pray over this. And in the same way, I, I fear, because it's, it's the cool thing to do, those kind of books sell and those kind of practices are, are catchy and popular to say, well, here, here's the, the list of things you must do to do this and do that. But rather, how about we approach God as children saying, God, would you, would you be so kind to fill us with the knowledge of your will? Would you be so kind, Lord, to fill us with spiritual wisdom? God, would you be so gracious to give us, as your people, understanding? We... We want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We want to please the Lord. We want to bear fruit. We want to do good works. We want to increase in the knowledge of God. We can't do those things on our own. There's no book. There's no system. There's no practice that you can do apart from God for those things to happen. And people try tirelessly. They operate in fear, saying, I want to do these things. I want God to be pleased with me. He may not be pleased with me. Let me do this. Let me do better. Let me try harder. Let me strive for this, that, and the other. All the while forgetting the key phrase, pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Friends, if God does not fill us, our actions are a waste of time. 
If God does not fill us, our, our works will not be good works. Our fruit will not be good fruit. The, things we, the way we walk will not be worthy to the Lord. Friends, we, we must plead through prayer humbly that God would fill us. And he will. I mean, God is a gracious God. He's not withholding good things from his children. He is there ready to give as we humbly pray and ask that we may be filled. The thing that's great about this is that that phrase, may be filled, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek and the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew. That phrase linguistically for a first century Jew who was becoming a Christian, following Jesus, that phrase uh, was a phrase that would trigger something about Exodus and Isaiah. Let me explain. In Exodus 31, the same language uh, of being filled was used to describe filling his people for special tasks during the Exodus to, to build the tabernacle. It was God's work in and through his people that the tabernacle would be built so that God and his people would commune together. It was God's initiative to make it happen in Exodus. And so imagine being a first century Jew, hearing the gospel of Jesus for the first time here, or or, or learning the gospel of Jesus, saying, I want to pray, I want to commune with God the Father, I want to commune with other believers, what does that look like? And for the Apostle Paul, he used the same language that was used in Exodus to say, hey, look, the same way that God filled his people with his spirit so that they would have a tabernacle, they would build it and craft it so that God could commune and they could be led to freedom in the same way that God did that amazing thing for his people. God is doing that amazing thing in and through you now. May he fill you with spiritual wisdom and knowledge. That's exciting stuff to me. Likewise, in the book of Isaiah 11, that language was used to describe um, the coming Messiah who would usher in God's kingdom being filled. Right, And so there is a huge cosmic gospel climax happening right here in chapter 1. It's like coming to a head. Paul's saying, look, everything that God was doing in Exodus is coming true in Jesus. Everything that God was foretelling through the prophet Isaiah is coming true through Jesus. Everything you want in freedom from bondage and freedom to to be God's people in a, a land of promise, that's happening through Jesus. Everything you're expecting for a Messiah, a king to come and reign in justice and righteousness and graciousness, that's coming through in Jesus. And you know what? The good news is you You don't have to do better or try harder. You don't have to go down this punch list. There's not a resume you have to chop up in order to be accepted. You are loved and accepted by God in Christ. He is your father. You are his children. Now pray that you would be filled. And if God in his graciousness is as good as he says he is, which he is, he will fill you with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And that is good news. You know, it gets even better as I was reading this. Like I said, this set of verses is kind of the springboard into the rest of the book of Colossians, right? So we look at it and we say, well, look, what does it mean to be filled? Okay, so it's the work of God in, through Christ by his Holy Spirit will fill us with knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding like knowledge of his will 
like knowledge. It's not just intellectual book knowledge. It's not like knowing about something. Like I, I know that two plus two is four, but I'm not like intimately wrapped up in the number four, right? I mean, unless you've seen like Sesame Street, I guess it's possible. Four, four, you know, whatever. We watch Sesame Street at our house. Knowledge is not just knowing about something, but it's an, an, an intimate knowing. It is, is a connection like a father knowing his children, a, a husband and wife knowing each other intimately. It's, it's like a family knowing each other very well. In fact, Colossians goes on to say that in Christ we know God. Look at ver- I'm going to read verse 15 through 19. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead, that in everything might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's Jesus. You want to know God the Father? You look to Christ. If you want to know him deeper and more, pray that you may be filled with knowledge, knowing him. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him intimately, knowing his will. That is such a, that's like the paralyzing question for everybody. There comes a point in your life as a believer, you're like, what is God's will? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been where you're just like, I spent a year on West Childress' couch praying for God's will for my life 12 years ago. It wasn't like last week. I was just like, as a single guy, I was like, okay. Graduated college with my music degree, did the band thing, quit that, went, spent three months in Romania, came home. Now what? Like, just was paralyzed, not knowing what to do. I waited tables, was just like, oh, God, what do I do with my life? And all of us get to that point at some point where we want to know God's what's a good thing to want to know God's will, but I think it's, uh, he makes it known in ways different than we pursue. <laughs> we, God's saying, here's my will, and we're saying, cool, what do I have to do to fill myself with wisdom, God? What do I have to do? I mean, seriously, think about it. I'm just going to share part of my story. And may God use it for his glory. I don't, I'm not embarrassed anymore. I'm, I might be, but that's fine. Who cares? Let me show you how I approach this with a limited understanding of the gospel. Okay, 12 years ago, I was a single guy. I love the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. I want to be filled with knowledge of his will. I'm going to go to seminary. Cool. All right, that's cool. I want to be filled with spiritual wisdom. I'm going to get mentored by somebody who is wise and older than me and understanding. Okay, I'm going to read a lot of books. I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, I have a list of things I will do and a list of things I will not do. I'm going to be very moral because I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit, I want to do that in every good work. I'm going to sell everything I own sleep on the floor, and uh, go do missions trips incessantly. Now, are those, all of those things are things that happened in about a two-year frame of my life. Are they good things? Absolutely. 
It is good to pursue education and seminary. If you if God is calling you to ministry and that's an opportunity, I encourage you to do it. If God gives you opportunity to be mentored by somebody, man, do that. I learned so much being mentored by another pastor. I have older pastors in my life now that are mentoring me. Good stuff. If you have opportunity to go on mission trips, which you you should, you will. Actually, through this church, there are opportunities barreling our way with Uganda and other missions opportunities, and we want you to do that. But if you pursue all of those good things with no gospel, if you pursue all of those good things without the Holy Spirit of God through Christ filling you, you will end up on West Childers' couch looking for the will of God in your life or somebody's couch. What I mean by that is we so often pursue good things without the gospel. We pursue good things without Christ. We pursue good things without the Holy Spirit. We try to fill ourselves and do things and try harder. We want to walk in a manner worthy of God when all the while we have to back up a couple words and see that walking in a manner that pleases God comes because he is filling you. Right? I don't want I don't want to teach you knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I don't want to tell you how to walk good and do good things and forget to say we haven't prayed that God would fill us. If we go do those things and we haven't stopped to pray that God would fill us, it's going to be just ridiculous. And I'm speaking from experience in my personal life. Friends, we as a church are on the cusp of many amazing opportunities. In the next couple months, by God's grace, we will move into a building on Broad Street. I don't want to move into some cool building just to have a cool building and do cool stuff. I want to pray that God would fill us, his people, with his spirit, knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding, that good works, good fruit would be coming out of the people that worship there so that this city may be reached with the gospel. In a couple months, we have some folks going to Uganda. I'm hoping that there will be more people from this church going to Uganda and other places in the world for the sake of gospel missions. But I don't want to send us there to just check off that we do missions at our church. But rather, I want us to pray now as a church that God would fill us so that when those folks go, nations would be reached with the gospel. We need to pray that God may fill us. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's what I love. Okay, so pray that God would fill us. It's a, it's a passive thing. We don't fill ourselves. God fills us. A cup does not fill itself. A cup is filled by an external, external filler. Pray that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. Why? So we can brag about being smart and spiritual, whatever? No, there's a purpose that God has for that. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Friends, I want us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, but only as it is an outflow of being filled. Okay? There are far too many uh, Christians and ministries and churches that focus on walking on a manner worthy of the Lord, doing good works, and they forget the being filled by the Holy Spirit 
spiritual wisdom, understanding, knowledge of his will. They forget that part. They bypass it because you can show off the walking part and fully pleasing, and then at some point it all comes crashing down (laughs) because you're you're not filled. You're like just an empty cup. But... What I, what I see in this verse, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray. That, that means ongoing prayer. Not just, God, fill us, holla, we're out. But, but God, we are going to pray just incessantly. We're just going to keep praying. It's going to be so annoying how much we're praying to you. And it'll be in fragments and sentences and mispronunciations and just whatever. But we're we just going to pray unceasingly. We are going to ongoingly pray, 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 God, that you would fill us, please, with the knowledge of your will, spiritual wisdom, understanding. Not so we can sit here and brag about our wisdom and understanding and knowledge, but God, so that we may walk worthy of the Lord, so that we would please you, so that we would bear fruit in every good work. Not just the ministry good works or the missions good works, but every good work. This is amazing to me. This means that as God fills us with wisdom and understanding and knowledge, there is practical application that walks out in your life. There is fruit in your life. Not just when you're in Uganda or Romania or South Korea or Afghanistan, but also when you are at work tomorrow or when you're at the dinner table with your family, or when your children are just grating on your nerves. They do that. Sorry, kids. There's kids in here. It happens sometimes. It's okay. When your neighbors are blowing up stuff in the backyard late at night, that happens in Forest Creek. You're like, what? It's not even New Year's. There is a cannon going off in the backyard. In those moments... There's good fruit to be born out of your life. Did you know that? At the dinner table with your children, at at work tomorrow, at school next week, with your neighbors, as you tip your server at lunch today, there's good fruit to be born there just as much as there's good fruit to be born on the mission trip or on the ministry opportunity downtown this month or whatever. Every good work. So friends, I want to ask you this. Can you say that your life is characterized by knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Can you say that your life is characterized by walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Can you say that fruit that you are bearing fruit in every good work in your life? What, we talked about this last week. What roles do you have in your life as a husband, father, pastor, student, nurse, mom, Teacher, is there good fruit being born in those situations? This is the end to which we are to pray. And here is the good news that is a promise at the end of this. So we pray that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom, understanding. Why? So that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And then I love this statement, which is a promise. Increasing in the knowledge of God. The moment you think you have arrived at the gospel is the moment you grasp the gospel the least. The moment you say, dude, I get it. I don't need to pray anymore. I can parse this in Greek. Okay. I don't even know what that means anymore. (laughs) Increasing. It is an ongoing growing in the gospel. 
Isn't that exciting? It's like with my children, I can see that my sweet Nora calls horses four C's right now, but one day she won't. One day she, she probably will saddle up and ride a horse with her Uncle James, who works at a ranch. That's amazing. She is two. She can't do that now, but she will grow in wisdom and understanding, and one day she will shoe and saddle a horse and hop on that joker and ride into the sunset, blazing saddle, just... Hey. Probably. I don't know. Isn't it good news to know that right now, wherever you are in your spiritual walk of faith, you're like, I just, I barely understand Jesus. What, I don't even know what resurrection means. That's good. That's okay. God will fill you. I mean, that's the good news about it is you don't have to work hard to fill yourself. God will fill you and you will increase in knowledge. You will increase in understanding. You will increase in walking. You will increase in bearing good fruit. You will increase in good work. You will increase. And you know what? You don't have to bring the increase. God brings the increase. The one thing we see in verse 9 is that the prayer is the one thing that is the unceasing action for us to do. You see that? God is the one increasing the knowledge. God is the one fueling. He's the one filling knowledge, filling spiritualism, filling understanding. That is what fuels the walking and the bearing the fruit. (laughs) And God is increasing all of those things constantly. You don't have to do that. Don't focus on that. Don't try to do that. If you miss... If you do that, you're going to miss the thing of not ceasing to pray. So this is what I want us to do as a church, as believers at Redemption. I want us to focus on not ceasing to pray. I want us to focus on being people of prayer personally in our marriages, families, missional communities, and as a church in general. Let's go hard after that and trust that our unceasing prayers will be answered by a gracious God who will fill, he will do the filling of the knowledge of his will and spiritualism and understanding. And that will prompt us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and that we will increase in that so that a year from now we can look back and say, wow, look how much we have grown like as God's children, we have grown. We're not calling them forces anymore. We're growing. We're, we're praying better and deeper. We're getting more intimate with the Lord and with each other. The, the fruit of our labors, are, is, our, our good works are bearing more fruit, better fruit now than before when we weren't even praying about it. Like, I'll just confess to you, man, I hit a dry spell a couple weeks ago where I just got tired of praying about the building. I just did. I just was, I was at the building. I'm like, I get in this habit of like, I'll be studying the scripture. You're going to think I'm unspiritual. You can pray for me. I do this. I'll, I'll study for the scriptures for a little bit. And then I'll say, I'm going to go take a walk around the building or just a walk up and down Broad Street. Or sometimes I put on running shoes and I run on Riverwalk. I just need a break. My brain hurts. And I, and I try to not always listen to punk rock. Sometimes I do. But sometimes I don't put in earbuds and I just pray. I'm like, God... You know, God, can you do can you do something with the building already? It's been three months. You know, we fought. We just we're waiting on the loan to close. We're gonna look. This thing is almost ready behind us. I'll just stay here. I'm just kidding. 
But as I was studying this passage a few weeks ago, and I hit a dry spell about praying, I was like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm praying maybe about, maybe about the wrong thing. I was, I was spending a day like praying about a building, which is good. It's pray about your buildings, pray about your finances, pray about, pray about the tools and resources God has around you. Pray about that. But then I was like, like, the Holy Spirit just like kicked me in the gut and was like, but what about praying for the people of Redemption Church? <laughs> Jeremy, what about praying that your elder team and your missional community leaders and those who serve in Redemption Kids, and those who set up and take down and run sound, and those who serve in the music ministry, and those who uh, give faithfully and show up Sunday after Sunday and invite friends and worship together and encourage and bring donuts and stuff, and, and those who just come to worship together every Sunday. Jeremy, are you praying that everyone in that room Sunday will be filled with the knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding? Are you praying for that? You praying that there will bear fruit in every good work. So I was convicted a little bit. That's a personal note. And so here's what I want us to do together. Um, I want us right now um, to pray where you are silently or out loud if you're comfortable. I'm going to guide you through it. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray. Father God in heaven, I pray that right now during this time you would stir our hearts and minds closer to you, that you would convict us of sin, that you would remind us of the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ and the new identity we have as your people. And God, now I pray that we would be people of unceasing prayer, and that you would answer our bold prayers in the way that bring you glory, us joy, and advance the gospel. And I pray for my friends here at Redemption Church, both in this room and those who are serving outside this room and those who are unable to even be here today. God, I pray that you would be working our hearts and minds. So friends, right now, where you are praying, I want you to take a minute to pray for yourself. Pray, ask God as your loving Father, ask Him to fill you with knowledge of His will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. I'll give you a minute. Pray for that for yourself. Now I want you to pray that same prayer for your family and friends, people that are on your mind, maybe believers. Pray that God would fill them with knowledge of His will, spiritual wisdom, and understanding.
And now I want us to take a minute and think about the roles, the realms of influence that you are in. Uh, marriage and family, as student, where you work, your neighborhood, whatever uh, realm of influence you're in. Think about the non-Christians that are in your life. And pray that God would bring an understanding to their hearts and minds. Like Colossians 20, 120 says that through him we are reconciled, that he has made peace by the blood of his cross. And um, So pray right now. Take a minute to pray for those who don't know Christ, specifically people that you know who don't know Jesus. And as we close this time in prayer, I want us to uh, pray together. If you look to the screen, you'll see um, the Lord's Prayer as God's, um, as Jesus was on the earth and his disciples were asking how to pray. This is uh, how he responded. So uh, let's pray this, not just read it, but pray uh, this prayer together. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Um, We're moving to a time of response now as we do every Sunday at Redemption. And we'll continue uh, in these set of verses next week. Um, But now we're going to have a time of response. The musicians will return and lead us in music through, uh, we can respond through singing, uh, through continued prayer where you are. If you want to pray with someone or by yourself, that's fine. Uh, We have a giving basket in the back as a place, if you are part of the Ministry of Redemption, to give back. Uh, your resources also before you. Uh, we have a bread, wine, and juice that represent the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed uh, for the forgiveness of sins for us. If you are a believer, we invite you to partake in this as a way to respond in worship and to do so prayerfully uh, as people who are unceasing in prayer, prayerfully uh, worshiping through this. If you're not a believer, we ask that you just observe and um, come talk to us more about the gospel. We'd love to talk to you about that. Um, but Jesus says this, as they were eating, he broke bread, and after blessing it, gave it to the disciples, said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Uh, so as we move to this time of response, let me pray one more time. Father God in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness to us in Christ by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would be, by your spirit, um, convicting us of sin and brokenness and uh, giving us confidence to turn to you, trusting in your grace and the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he's done for us, trusting that in Christ we have peace, we have reconciliation with you and each other. And so, God, I pray that you would grow us uh, as people of prayer so that in prayer and through prayer we could commune closer to you and with each other. And also that as we pray, we would 
um, see the ways that you answer prayer, God, that we would see that as we pray unceasingly that you would be filling us with the knowledge of your will, spiritual wisdom and understanding, that that would fuel good works that bear much fruit as we walk worthy and that we would increase in that constantly. God, I pray that this would happen for your glory and all joy and that the good news would advance. God, we give you this time of response as well and ask that you use it in the way that best honors you. In Christ's name, amen.